the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 40 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area. Estate planning attorney Bob Bergman here, broadcasting from my now uh, COVID-free office in San Jose. Yes, I was actually released from isolation officially by my doctor and uh, and gratefully was able to go home uh, yesterday and actually spend the night again in my own home after uh, more than two and a half weeks. Plus, I had the privilege this morning, and I'm not being sarcastic at all, of taking my daughters to school, which has been my usual job for over nine years since they were in kindergarten. But I had that job taken away from me because I got COVID positive literally the day before they started their school. So... um, so I was able to take them to school today, and um, and I'm going to be picking up uh, one of my daughters after the show today. My other daughter is doing a play at school, so my wife's going to pick her up later in the day because she's going to be rehearsing for a few hours after school. But it really, really did my spirits, uh, it gave my spirits a big boost being able to actually take my girls to school and be able to actually talk with them again, see them again, and find out how their day's going. Uh, That's part of my job as a dad, finding out how's school going. Um, Are you making any friends? All those kinds of things. So um, I still have a lingering cough. I suspect I will have a lingering cough for at least a couple more weeks. So uh, during the show, I may start to cough, and uh, hopefully um, my engineer may have uh, the sound dump so you don't get a cough in your in your headphones or on your radio. But um, I do have a bottle of water handy to try and head that off. And without further ado, let's dive into the show today. I'm willing to take calls on the air today if anybody would like to call in with an estate planning question. The number is 800-516-1220, like the call sign or the call numbers, rather, for KDOW, 800-516-1220. So I'm going to start the show today with the usual suspects, which is questions and comments from around the state of California. And here's one out of 
Los Altos, California, which is, of course, nearby my office in San Jose. Uh, Not like right next door, but within 20 or 25 minute drive from my office, so it's not too far at all. Person said, I'm the trustee of my trust. My two daughters are my successor trustees, 50-50, meaning I guess both of the daughters are named as successor trustees to the person who is asking the question. First question, if one dies before me, can I name new successor trustee or trustees to replace her? Well, certainly, as long as you are mentally competent, you can make changes to your living trust, which means if you end up having uh, anybody named in the trust that predeceases you, if you want to make changes, if the trust doesn't already um, take account of that possibility, if you want to make changes, you can amend your trust. Um, that would be a pretty typical thing to do. Um So then um, the second question was, I become incapacitated and one daughter dies. What then? Well, then it would mean that the other daughter is the only successor trustee and would serve as the sole trustee at that time. In a situation like this, I often recommend in the planning that I do that people have some kind of mechanism built into the trust for additional trustees to be appointed or created without, <coughs> excuse me, appointed. Uh, that could be done by giving your named trustees the authority to name successors to themselves. That could be, be by including your named trustees and any future trustees having the authority to name successors to themselves. Um In a case like that, I typically default to any trustees appointed in that way need to be professional trustees, not somebody's spouse or best friend or a random person walking by on the street, but a professional trustee like an attorney, CPA, a licensed individual fiduciary, a bank, or a trust company. The reason for that is I want to make sure that if someone appoints a successor to themselves, that the person that they've appointed or the entity that they've appointed, in the example of a bank or a trust company, that they actually have expertise to to handle the job of what needs to be done as trustee. Taking on the job of trustee is not something that should be entered into lightly. And I suggest that people really seriously give consideration as to who they're going to pick for trustees to make sure that they actually do pick people that either have the ability to do the job because they have the expertise, or at a minimum are people who are willing to go to and consult with experts to help them do the job as opposed to somebody who knows it all and uh, and will just go off and blindly try and do things without necessarily knowing what they're doing. And, and that's unfortunate, but there are people that actually do that. It's not a good idea to just jump in and uh, and start acting as a trustee 
if you have no idea what you're doing, you always want to have uh, and make sure that you have uh, someone to assist you unless you are already an expert or professional trustee. Okay, out of San Diego. Person says, I have decided to leave my estate to my two daughters in equal shares, share and share alike, or the survivor of them per capita and not per stirpes. Does this mean if one daughter dies before me, my entire estate goes to the surviving daughter? The answer is yes. Per capita means that you give an equal share to each person, um, each person that you have named, but just to that the people that you have named. Uh, so if it's per capita to the two daughters and one of them died, everything goes to the other daughter. Now the other thing the person mentioned, which is persterpes, persterpes actually means that you're going to give it to each daughter, but if a daughter predeceases, then that daughter's share will drop down to that daughter's descendants, if any, such as grandchildren or great-grandchildren, and not just go to the surviving daughter. That's probably the most common distribution plan that people choose, because they want to make sure that that one part of the family doesn't end up being disinherited because a child may have predeceased the parent. Um, with the per capita distribution, that's exactly what could happen, unless that's exactly what's intended to happen. So I always uh, suggest to people that if they want a per capita distribution, I want to make sure they absolutely understand what the implication of that is and what the effect would be if somebody that they have identified has actually passed away before them. Okay, so we're coming up on the first break of the show today. When we come back, I'll continue with more Plan Your Estate Radio. This is your host, estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, and I'll see you on the other side of the break. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back. Bob Bergman here, ready to go forward for the second segment of the show with uh, more questions and comments from around the state of California. So let's see what we got here. Out of um, out of Galt, California. Galt, that's interesting. I had a friend of mine who many years ago uh, actually moved to and lived in Galt, which is out in the um, in the valley, um, as I recall, not too far from Merced. And uh, I've never actually, I think I've driven through Galt once in my life. But um, I know it's, it's a, not a huge community, but apparently a pretty active community. So here is, I think, an excellent question. 
can a successor trustee of a trust who is also a beneficiary of the trust file an objection to the trust? Presumably that means challenging the trust in some way and still serve as trustee. Would they need a different attorney other than the trust attorney? Well, I'll tell you this right now. If someone is appointed as a successor trustee of a trust and they have an issue with the trust, they object to the trust, they really cannot serve as the trustee of the trust that they're objecting to, especially if they are trying to to change the trust or overturn the trust in some way, maybe have it declared invalid. Because the trustee of a trust has a duty to defend the trust when someone is challenging it. So if if the trustee wants to challenge the trust, they cannot really both defend the trust and challenge the trust at the same time. It just doesn't really work that way. Um, there's no possible way for that person to be uh, objective in any way if they're fulfilling both of those positions. So the short answer is they would have to really step down as the trustee and just be a beneficiary that's challenging the trust. Now, if every beneficiary of the trust doesn't like the trust and it wants to challenge the trust, so to speak, they could collectively, along with the trustee, if the trustee's in agreement, they could go to court to have the trust modified to reflect um, what they think it should have said or what they would want it to have said. I do court petitions like that on a fairly regular basis. Um, it doesn't mean that the court's automatically going to grant their request, but I will say that um, it is possible to go to court and fix a trust that's broken or a trust that maybe doesn't reflect accurately what everybody in the family knows what the intent was. Those kinds of things can actually be done. And I've been successful in um, in three three of the counties here in the Bay Area, in San Mateo, Contra Costa, and Santa Clara County, with petitions like that to actually fix broken trusts like that. Okay, well, here's a question out of Los Angeles, California, and I'll start by giving the response and then cover the situation. The response would be, ask your attorney that's representing you in the dissolution of your marriage. If you do not have an attorney representing you, get one to represent you because because you need an attorney to help you with this. This person said, I'm in California and close to finalizing my marriage of nearly 20 years. My ex wants to proceed with finalizing the quadro right now. Quadro is Qualified Domestic Relations Order, and it's basically uh, an agreement in family law, in the family court, that deals with how, for example, how someone's retirement plan is to be divided between them and their spouse, because the retirement plan might very well be community property owned by the marriage. 
So this person saying, does my ex have the power to stipulate when and how I receive my portion of the community property accumulated in his pension and 401k? For example, can he require I am unmarried to claim it? I'm currently engaged. I want to marry as soon as possible without losing my share of the community property. I'm not wanting to claim it now, but I don't want to lose out on my happiness with my fiance and be able to provide for my children's needs as well. The short answer is, whatever the parties agree can be incorporated in the quadro. Now, I'm not a family lawyer. I don't practice family law, but I know enough about that to answer that part of it. But the the, the ex has the power to stipulate that if you agree to it, but the ex really doesn't have the power to say, when you're entitled to receive uh, your portion of community property. In fact, I think in a quadro, that retirement plan might actually be split away and the community property portion go to the spouse that who did not own the plan originally, and it becomes their own retirement plan, so they're not even joined together at all anymore. That's my understanding of a quadro. It's the only time I'm aware where you can take someone's retirement plan and split it with somebody else and not have it trigger a distribution of the plan for tax purposes. That's what a quadro does. Okay, out of Fresno, California. Question, is a trust valid if it's not dated? The short answer to that is yes, but... It might be difficult to prove when it was actually signed if it's not dated. But this person is talking about something different. It says, my father amended his trust, but there's no date anywhere on it to say when it was amended. I think my sister did it after he died and forged his signature, but did not date it anywhere. The witnesses did not date it either. Typically, there aren't witnesses to a trust, but maybe there's a space for witnesses on the trust. And the kicker here is it says the changes give her total control of the trust money. She decides when I get any inheritance, if ever. She's allowed to stay in our parents' home, pay all expenses from the trust. She's the executor, trustee, had power of attorney. She had none of that in the prior trust. Okay. I would probably say you should challenge that amendment as not being valid because there's no way to tell when it was done or if it even was done. Now, presumably, if it's an amendment, it's the only amendment done, you could make an argument that it had to have been signed after the original trust. But I think the bigger issue is whether or not the father actually signed it or whether, as this person indicated, um, his signature might be forged on this amendment. This is why I always suggest get these things done through an attorney so you have documentation and independent evidence of just what was done. Coming up on the mid-show break, when we come back, I'll go into this third segment of today's show on Plan Your Estate Radio. This is your host, Attorney Bob Bergman.
This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back. So, I'm going to continue with more Plan Your Estate Radio with me. My questions and comments from around the state of California. Uh, During the break, I went and grabbed myself another bottle of water because I'm finding right now, as I am still recovering from the effects of COVID, that uh, when I start talking for any length of time, uh, it can end up with a uh, little bit of a coughing fit, but the water seems to be helping. Okay. Whittier, California. Question, what's the best way to transfer property that is free and clear of any liens from a father to a son? It says, I tried to get my father to do a living trust, which I believe would be best at transferring the property and avoid the gift tax and later sales taxes. I'm not sure what they're talking about there. Um, he believes doing a quitclaim deed is best. I believe there might be some truth in his argument, but only given that my primary residence is the property in question. Although I'm not sure how long I need to be resident at the property. Additionally, I currently have a living trust which the property will be added to. Does that matter? Okay, there's a lot of things, a lot of questions in here, and there's a lot of issues floating around in there. First of all, if the father were to quit claim, which means sign a deed that says, I give all of my right title and interest to my son, he could certainly do that, and now his son would own the property. It would be subject to Proposition 19, but it indicates here that the son indicates um, it's my primary residence, which means it would qualify under Proposition 19 to not have the property taxes increased as long as the value of the property when the gift is made is not greater than the current assessed value plus $1 million. So if the assessed value of the property is, say, $400,000 and the father quit claims it to his son, and the market value when it was quick claimed is $1.2 million, that would be less than the 400000 plus the million. So the property taxes would say the same. So that's a good thing. At the same time, making a gift of the property now would mean that the son uh, also receives a gift of the father's income tax cost basis in the property. Essentially, in simple terms, what the father paid for the property would be the the tax value for income tax purposes if the son were later to sell the property. Uh, So if he were to sell the property later, he would probably have taxable capital gains tax to pay on uh, everything over and above what the father paid for it. If the father put into a living trust and passed it on to his son at the death of the father, it would be revalued to the market value on the date of death. The problem with that, though, is if the father lives several more years, there is a greater and greater chance over time 
that the value of the property may be greater than the assessed value plus a million dollars when the father dies in the future. And that would mean that any excess value would be added to the property tax value and taxed with the property tax accordingly. But here, as far as how long the son needs to be resident, well, if the father transfers the property to the son and it's the son's residence in order to qualify for the exclusion from reassessment under Proposition 19, the son will have to continue living in that property. The moment he is no longer living in that property, if he decides to move to a different home, then the property will be subject to 100% reassessment based on the current market value at that time. That's also Proposition 19. Lousy proposition. I'm hopeful that it can get maybe on the next ballot. wasn't able to qualify for this ballot this time around, but maybe for the election year 2024, we'll be able to get it on the ballot and get rid of this proposition, which is basically a cancer on property owners here in California. So as... um, far as the question that this person said doesn't matter, uh, if they put the property into their living trust, it doesn't matter. Um, they can include the trust. They can include their spouse as well. That would not matter because they could get it first from the father and then transfer it into their trust, maybe with a spouse as a co-owner. Uh, that would not trigger any further reassessment. Um, but this is the kind of thing where they really should consult with an estate planning attorney such as myself uh, in order to determine just what would make the most sense. And I will say there's basically never really a perfect solution, but there are some solutions that might be better than other solutions. But you have to sit down, weigh the pros and cons of each decision that you make and then make a decision. An attorney such as myself, it's not my job to make the decision for you. It's my job to lay out what the issues are, what the upside, downside, or potential upside and downside of any decision is so that you can make an informed decision about what to do in a particular situation. That's all I can really do as an attorney um, because it's not my job to to decide it for you. Okay, out of Yorba Linda, California. Let's say a trust splits property 50-50 between two people. Then hypothetically, the successor trustee eliminates one of the beneficiaries when the successor records a title change. Would the other beneficiary be able to recover his or her share of the trust if the grant deed now says the successor trustee is the owner of the property as trustee of the other beneficiary's trust? I have no idea what this person's asking. If they're saying that the successor trustee is 
records a grant deed transferring 100% of the property to the successor trustee, well, then the other beneficiary absolutely has a right to recover uh, his or her 50% share of the property. Um, If they're saying that the successor trustee now owns the property as trustee of a trust set up for the other beneficiary, if that was spelled out in the original trust, there'd be nothing wrong with that at all. That would actually likely be following the instructions in that trust. But it's not real clear the way the person asked this, just what the actual circumstance is. Okay, out of Palo Alto, California. Person says, I want to conserve my mother because she's under the undue influence of my siblings. I need to help my mother. She's not in her right mind. My my siblings are are exercising control over her. It's caused her to divorce and has divided the family. I'm concerned about her health. I think her cancer has returned and my siblings are taking advantage of her financially. Well, if the mother is elderly, you might want to start with going to the Adult Protective Services Unit of the District Attorney's Office, in this case in Santa Clara County, which is a very good one, and voice your concerns to them. Voice your concerns that your mother's being taken care of uh, or being taken advantage of financially. Uh, They can investigate. In the meantime, if your mother, if you believe she is not of sound mind, you can file for conservatorship yourself, petition the court, give notice to her, give notice to your siblings, but be prepared for a fight. You'd have to be able to prove that your mother is not competent to handle her own affairs and be able to resist any fight from your siblings. If you're successful, then you'll actually be able to take over and handle things for your mother, which would include getting your siblings out of there or away from her financially because you would actually be the one in control of her finances as her conservator. But just be aware that conservatorship is expensive. In Santa Clara County, an uncontested conservatorship might be twelve or $13,000. Um, if your mother has no resources of any kind, it sounds like she does, though, Uh, You might be able to get the public guardian's office to help. They're generally not going to do that if there are resources that can be looked to to pay for the conservatorship. But this is a tough situation, and you really need legal advice, but you might want to start first with the district attorney's office if you think there is financial abuse going on of your mother by your siblings. Okay, we're coming up on the third break of the show today. And after the break, we'll take it on home with a few more questions and comments, and then I'll wrap up the show for today. So uh, we'll be back in a few more minutes. This is attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your State Radio, and we'll finish up after the break.
Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back to the final segment of the show today. And we just have a few more questions and comments. And then if there's still time left, I'll do a little bit of riffing, which is um, something I've done for for many, many years. Um, I can speak extemporaneously on a number of different estate planning topics. So I may just pick a topic, maybe a topic that I was briefly talking about um, off the air that I think would be very important. Okay, first question, easy one, Los Angeles. Does a will have to be probated in California even if my grandfather also had a living trust? The answer is yes, no, or maybe. If the grandfather had a living trust and it owned everything that he owned, then the grandfather's will does not have to go through probate at all. If the grandfather had some things in his individual name, but the total value was less than about $180,000, then you don't have to probate the will either. You can use a what's called the Affidavit of Small Estate Procedure in the law to take over those assets. Or if it's substantial property not in the trust, but there is written evidence that it was, evidence that it was intended to be in the trust, then perhaps a Hegstat petition could be used instead of probating that will. So really, the purpose of a trust is primarily to avoid having to go to probate, and there may be alternatives to a full-blown probate if someone has a trust. Um, But that's why I said yes, no, or maybe, because it depends on the very specific facts in the situation. Sorry, my uh, cough is starting to act up a bit here. All right. From Fremont, California. Person says, I was never informed in writing or verbally that my authority under a durable power of attorney was revoked. I got a copy of a petition served on me that included a copy of a new durable power of attorney but I was never notified. Mine was revoked. Can an attorney write an estate plan with a newly created durable power of attorney, revoke a previous power of attorney if the terms of the previous durable power of attorney state clearly it cannot be revoked without notifying the previous durable power of attorney agent in writing? Well, first of all, I would be very surprised if there's any durable power of attorney that says it can't be revoked without notifying the agent in writing. That would I've never seen anything like that before. Um, it may say something about let the person know, but I will tell you this. The short answer here is you got served with a petition that includes a new power of attorney that revoked your authority. Guess what? Your authority was revoked in writing, by definition. Just because they didn't tell you before, the petition tells you now, hey, you're out. You're no longer in charge. It's in writing right here. So I'm not sure, um, I'm not sure really what the issue is. Um, the, 
That's like saying, you know, hey, I, I never got I never got any notice. It's like, well, this petition served on you that says your power is revoked. There's your notice right there. So what are you complaining about? <laughs> that would be my opinion anyway. Okay. Out of Palo Alto, California, again. Person says, I'm married, 55 years of age, well-educated, and I receive SSDI. That's Supplemental Security Disability Income. So the person's disabled, uh, but not needs-based income. This is disability income because um, that, that's basically as a result of working and then not being able to work anymore. It says, I don't stand to lose anything through an inheritance. But my mother left me a special needs trust. I'd like to dissolve that trust because I don't think it's necessary. Uh, my older brother is an obstacle. He, so he's apparently the trustee and not willing to, uh, to do anything to get rid of the trust. I have multiple sclerosis and I need medical equipment and a house. I live in Colorado. The trust was filed in Santa Clara County. It would be possible to go to court to have that dissolved um, if there are changed circumstances and you can demonstrate you really don't need that trust, it would have to be over the objection of your brother, the trustee, and uh, you might have kind of an uphill climb with something like that um, because um, the, the special needs trust was set up for you by your parent and um, and they may very your parent may very well wanted to make sure that it it is held that way for your lifetime, because your condition may get worse in the future, and you may become incapacitated with the MS. So I don't know that you're necessarily going to be able to to um, overturn that trust that was set up by your parent for you. Okay, we just have a. Short amount left in the show today. Uh, thank you for joining me. It feels good to be back post-COVID, still with a cough, but I can live with a cough. And uh, I hope you have a great weekend. This is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your Estate Radio, broadcasting from my post-COVID studio in my office here in San Jose. I hope you have a great weekend, and you take care. So until next week, goodbye. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com. L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose. 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.